And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Does your team have a leadership void? Um, uh, when uh, uh, we're in the offensive line, where just you, o- just uh, overall when these, but, but seriously, seriously, where, where do you, where would you have a leadership void? Is it an experience void? Is it a talent void? Is it a leadership void? I'm not trying to be cute here. The answer is yeah. no. The answer is yeah. no. I, I'm asking. A, ju- there's not a well. It is shut up. And let me answer. No. Jerry, when you go into the locker room, what I'm asking is, do you see the intangibles? You're not asking me that. I gave you the. I gave you the answer. When I go into the locker room, there's no leadership void in my eyes. Okay. okay. Now that's your answer. Let's move on. Only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? Yeah! How about them Cowboys? Indeed. It's an NFC East matchup Sunday for the Cowboys a.k.a. the uh, race to the bottom as the Cowboys and Eagles meet up to play quote-unquote football this Sunday. But first, Jerry's been talking, deals are being made, and the defensive coordinator's got Tabasco in his eye. And uh, kind of explains a lot. We'll talk about it all here on About Them Cowboys. Welcome in. I'm Kent Garrison producing. We've got a ton to get into, so I'm going to get right to our panel. We're welcoming in. First time to the show. You see her on NFL Network. You hear her. On the Boys and Girl Podcast with friend of the show, Bobby Belt. You can follow her on Twitter at Slater NFL. She's the most credible member of the Dallas Cowboys media. It's Jane Slater. Welcome, Jane, to the show. Well, I appreciate that because uh, I, I felt like I had to have some friends at the local radio station defend that title. <laughs> I don't think I'm the most credible, but I would at least consider myself credible. Uh, we'll get into your credibility a little bit later and some uh, some things you've been reporting, but we're excited to have you, and we're excited, as always, to have back to the show, the Bash Brothers, Father John Mishota, Kevin K.T. Turner. Kevin, take it away. Oh, thank you, Kent. I appreciate that. And Jane, so good to see you. Thank you very much for joining us. This is awesome. Um 2020 is weird, right? Because, like, generally on Cowboys-Eagles week, you're like, oh, my God, what a matchup. Oh, man. This is going to be a barn burner Sunday night football. And then uh, then you're like, uh, top story is uh, Jerry told Sean Sharif to shut up on the fan. Uh, I mean, that's really what we have to live for now with this team, I think, at least from my standpoint. But I, you know, I'm, uh, I am not a credible reporter, and I will say that. Um uh, I'll start with you, uh, uh, John. We'll start with you. Your thoughts on Jerry getting a little crabby in the interview with uh, Sean Sharif when he asked about a uh, leadership void on the team. All right. I'm going to go against a lot of what everybody else is saying. Oh. I thought Sean was trying to poke him on purpose, to be honest with you. Like the way that Jerry was starting to answer and then stop. And it could have been just the difference between the two of them, like, 
I don't know, like, you know, if you're doing a phone interview, it's different than if you're doing something online and there could be a little bit of a, a lag there. And it's, and I just felt like Sean was kind of trying to press him a little bit, which that's what he got. Now, of course, I don't think that Jerry needs to tell someone to shut up, especially in this time. Um, but it didn't surprise me. I mean, Jerry's frustrated and, and it sucks for us that we don't get him right after games anymore because I'm sure we'd see a little bit more of that there. Um, but uh, it was entertaining. But just to give you an example, um, this is the best way I can describe it from my from myself is that I um, this week is my 10 year anniversary of living in Dallas. So I would say since I moved down here, I think I've listened to 90 percent of Jerry Jones radio interviews. So that's hundreds. It might even reach the thousand level. And I was so not surprised by Jerry saying that, that I didn't even tweet out him saying shut up. And then after it was over, I saw other people tweeting that. And I was like, oh, hey, I guess you kind of missed what was the big thing there. Like, I'm just, I don't know. It didn't really surprise. Jerry does that stuff. I mean, the week before, some of the stuff he was saying when he was asked about Jane's report, like I, people took it as like, he's taking he's taking a shot at Jane and, and, and this isn't right or whatever. And I know I've said on here and Jane's here now, so she can she can say it as well. But like, I know that Jane, I mean, I know that Jerry respects Jane and that it isn't like he's just dismissing her, but that's just how he acts when he's like backed in the corner. He's acted that way about Ian Rapport when Ian's reports were correct too. Like, called that's him an just idiot. How, yeah, that's just <laughs> how Jerry, yeah, Jerry, <laughs> Jerry, Jerry does that stuff, but I don't know. I guess I should take it a little bit more serious, but I just think that, like I've said here before, I think he it's kind of sport for him. He kind of likes to show that side of him. And if you didn't like to show that side of you, you would not do two radio interviews per week. And if I can weigh in here too, I, I think I, I res when I used to do that radio show, we would take hits because we didn't ask tough enough questions. And when you are working for the fan, which is a radio partner of the Dallas Cowboys, and you're having to ask tough questions, I would love to see some of these beat reporters that think that these guys do a difficult, that they don't do a good enough job, do that job after some of these games. It's a lot harder than what Sean and, and RJ and Kevin and Corey make it look like. So I have immense respect for the way they do it because I've sat in that chair. And, and to your point, look, I don't take it personal. Now, I work for the NFL Network, so, you know, there is, you know, it's no different than I worked for the Longhorn Network, uh, which was a partner of ESPN, of course, Texas. Um, but I stand behind my reporting. Uh, I stand behind the fact that there are, are problems in that locker room as it relates to the coaching staff. And while I definitely think that you've got players that are not performing up to expectations as it relates to their contracts, as it relates to just the basics. I mean, we've had plenty of analysts at NFL network defending at least the coaching staff in that sense that, that what these guys are doing out that it's very confusing what some of these guys are doing out there, but I would submit it can be both of those things. It can be players not performing expectations, but you can also have a coaching staff that's not putting these guys necessarily in the position to succeed. I think it's revealing that they have already been so reactive to some of those things, trading away players, um, simplifying the playbook after week two. It tells you that they're not exactly clueless to some of the things that I've said. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, but I, I do think Jerry's... I've seen him get upset before. I don't know if I've seen him this upset. And I think a couple of things. I think Jerry really wanted to roll out the football season, um, even with the pandemic. And I think they've done a relatively good job considering that the football season falls in the middle of 
you know, what they're considering is what, what did Joe Biden say? Our darkest days are ahead of us, um, you know, in terms of the testing, in terms of, you know, changing the schedules to accommodate some of the games. I just don't think that Jerry expected when he went and got a head coach with skins that the product that he was rolling out in the football field was going to be historically bad. Um, and I don't think this is a sweeping indictment of Mike McCarthy. It's more of an indictment of his staff. And I guess my biggest question that I haven't really been able to get a handle on is how involved Mike has even been in some of those day-to-day stuff, those day-to-day things. Um, as it's been described to me, the frustration is very specific to certain coaches, um, not necessarily an overreaching of Mike McCarthy, but more specifically the coaching staff, which, I mean, those are the guys he hired. And if you're seeing the problems, maybe you need to get more involved. Maybe you shouldn't trust that that your coaches that you've known for years are necessarily getting done. But like I said, I think it can be a combination of both. I think it can be a combination of players not living up to the expectations that you've set forth for them. But you also, I think, it's shocking to me that no one has, has felt that you even need to question the coaching staff. Because when I look at some of these players from last year, we weren't seeing them play as poorly as they were this year. I mean, am I wrong in that, guys? What's your assessment of it? No, no, and I completely agree with you when you say that it's a combination of things. The problem is, is that, um, and I'm sure it's like this when you're debating or you're on a TV show and you're talking about politics. I just choose not to follow that stuff. Like I follow sports. And, and the thing is with sports is that the really successful shows that talk about sports, they have one person take one side of the argument, one person take the other and act like, well, either this side is right or this side. And it's almost never the case. And it always is a combination. But to your point, Jane, it is so true that like people that are out there right now that 100% defend the coaching staff will like bash the players, they'll bash their front office, and they'll act like the coaching staff doesn't get any of it. And, and, and that's ridiculous. I mean, just off of these moves that have happened recently, like you're going to bash the front office just for that? You don't think the front office added Everson Griffin and Daryl Worley and Don Terry Poe because this coaching staff specifically wanted those guys? Like you think that- Which, the- and keep in mind, a lot of those guys we reported wanted to come to Dallas because of Mike McCarthy. Remember that? Right. That's what yeah. we kept. I remember very specifically reporting- you know, the big thing about Mike McCarthy is he's, you know, such a great recruiter. He's a great recruiter, but if, if these are guys that came here wanting to play for Mike McCarthy, why weren't they playing for Mike McCarthy? Yeah, there's, and, and that's there's, what I'm saying. It can be everything, and, 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 and it's the players, too, obviously. I don't think there's any way you can turn on just – you don't even have to turn on – all seven games. Just watch the last game. You cannot sit there and watch that and say, that's, man, the coaches need to put them in better positions. You can just watch them play. The players are clearly not getting the job done, specifically on defense. And then, hey, any any time of the week, any time of the year, you can criticize this front office. Jerry Jones makes it very easy to criticize the way things run from the top down. So there's plenty of blame to go all around. The thing that bothers me most is when anybody acts like it just one part of it right now, or it's just because Dak got hurt. It's just the injuries, or it's just because of the offseason and COVID. And then you get, no, it's a combination the, of all these things. And look at the first four games, John. We didn't have all of those injuries. The first, what was it, fifth game is when we saw yeah. you know, the, the loss of key starters. We started seeing that drop. I, I just keep going back to the reason why I even started digging into this thing was when I listened to what the players had to say in the press conferences. And I said, something is off. The Nancy Drew in me said, something is off. That so early into this, you would hear a guy like Jalen Smith say, maybe we need to simplify the playbook. That's a little disrespectful to your new coaching staff. 
is that I don't know if I, that's like me getting a new boss at NFL Network and saying publicly, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I kind of like the way things were before they got here. I wouldn't even dare to say something like that, not publicly. Uh, and then when I, you know, hear about it's, you know, a, a guy like Xavier Wood saying, well, it's not like you can, you know, give 100 percent effort on all of the plays. <laughs> I, I love the honesty. But again, if you're trying to endear yourself to a new coaching staff, do you say that out loud? I, I don't know. So when I was when I was seeing some of that stuff and then I see a guy like Brandon Carr, who I think a lot of us have dealt with in the past come to Dallas and he can't even get on the football field, played for Baltimore, respected veteran in the league. What's up with that? There was just a couple of things that led me down a road of, I need to start reaching out and see if I can't get some answers. And when I did, people didn't like that answer. But I'm just telling you that while that was my intel, I then took it to another level and started asking outside sources close to the program. And I was shocked that it was a pervasive line of thinking, regardless of what people are saying publicly. So, but when Jerry said what he said in that interview and, and Kevin and Corey did a great job of getting your back. And I know I felt the same way and I've worked at that station too. And I, I remember just saying, I didn't listen to it live, but saying the quotes and I was like, why would Jerry, I was like mad about it. I was like, I think everyone, it felt like everyone in media was like getting your back there, Jane. But how did that make you feel when you saw that? Or did you understand like that Jerry's just pissed and that's how it goes. Look, and I get it. Um, like I said, I think here's what you can't say about Jerry Jones, that he doesn't care about winning, that he doesn't care about the football team. There's a lot of people that own teams. And I'm, I'm not just saying in the NFL, I'm saying across sports. Think about the owners of the Rangers. How much do we ever really hear from the owner of the Rangers here in Dallas or the owner of the Stars? Jerry is so enmeshed in it. And I think back to even Combine this year, I had a couple of coaches uh, that we were out having drinks at, you know, Prime 44, and they said, introduce me to Jerry. I mean, Jerry is as much a rock star amongst these coaches moving up in the league and, you know, guys that were former players along the lines as the players. And it was introduce me to Jerry. And when you bring Jerry over to talk to these guys, it's as if they're talking to royalty in the league. And I don't care what any coach might say, you know, publicly or people or analysts say, you know, why would that coach come to Dallas? People want to be a coach for Jerry. That's what I saw. That was with my own eyes. And, you know, even some guys said to me, like, you know, I would have loved that job. But Jerry is so passionate in the way that he describes the game, his passion for the game. And so I think that passion equally translates into, I think it was a hard decision to move on from Jason Garrett. He made it. Uh, just like it was a hard decision to move on from Tony Romo, they just got lucky with Dak. I mean, they got really, really lucky that sure. the Dak thing got past that first season. It wasn't just this like, you know, this weird 13 and three season, an outlier. I mean, if, if they found a guy that really you could hang your hat on. I think they were hoping the same for Mike. And I'm not saying that can't be Mike. I just don't know. Two things are going to happen with the departures of some of these guys this week. Either the players that were frustrated are now on notice and they feel like I'm going to really have to lean in here and buy into this program because Jerry is fully backing this coaching staff where we whether we like it or not. 
So maybe that was one of the wake up calls, or you're going to continue to see this, this locker room, not buy into what they're selling. And this thing's just going to get worse and worse and worse. And by the way, you're not going to have the injury excuse very long because you're getting some players back. So I think it's going to be very telling over the next couple of weeks, whether it was a couple of free agents that came in there and it disrupted the, you know, it was like, you've got a pH balance disruption in the locker room and it got acidic or you're going to see guys start to buy into this thing and maybe start to turn the quarter, whether that bet be through they were acidic or we need to buy in and really start leaning into this thing and, and turn this thing around. Like if not for the season, just for group morale, because there are a lot of games left in it. I know it looks really, really reactive to the outside, but I actually applaud Jerry and them for saying, look, we've got, we, we've got some rotting going on in there and we need to, we need to like cut this out or it's going to continue to spread because like I said, in talking to, and I've talked to a number of people, this wasn't just one or two people and talking to a lot of people as it related to this particular storyline, that was moving it through that locker room. That was a very pervasive feeling regardless of what you're hearing from some of these players. Yeah. And I don't think that, I don't think that with this, with this coaching staff and, and who that the players that aren't buying it, I don't think that the moves are, are done with these three moves, I think. And I'm talking even players on this team right now, this off season is going to be fascinating exactly. to see I guys. Think be a lot of player evaluation. Right. And some guys getting let go that might even surprise some fans um, because that they've been here for a while or that they still have a contract that you would think they weren't going to get rid of. Like there's going to be some evaluation there. And the only thing, other thing I wanted to add on that was just that I think I don't think Jerry has much of an option other than to back his coaches. When you just hire a new coaching staff like that, if he all of a sudden was throwing them under the bus, that's not going to you're, you're not that's not going to lead to anything good. The only way you would do that is if you already had somebody else lined up that you were going to make the next head coach, and this was just hey, ride this thing out to end the season. But that's not I've never gotten that feeling. So he has to back the coaching staff because if he doesn't, it's just going to get worse behind the scenes with the players. Yeah, this isn't going to be a Wilkes thing like in Arizona where it was a one and done. I truly believe that. I, I truly yeah. believe. And, and here's what I will say. It is a little hard to take shots at Mike specifically because here's what you have to weigh. He didn't get a full offseason with these guys. I don't think you can ever like under underappreciate how much, you know, John, we talked about this on, on my podcast how much you gel at training camp and how important the team dinners are. I mean, it's my understanding they're not really doing team dinners around there right now. Like guys are checking out, they're kind of you know, flaking out. Maybe that's COVID. Maybe their wives don't want them doing, you know, stuff away from the facility. There just, there hasn't been consistency in that. And I thought Troy Aitman said something very telling on that when it came to that offensive line. He said, it just tells me like how much time have they actually been spending together? I don't know if this group the way we, the one thing that stood out to me about that 13 and three team, remember they would play like the basketball in the locker room and you had Demarcus Lawrence and even Tyrone Crawford, even recent years riding their bikes to the facility. I don't know how close this locker room is these days. And you've lost some pieces. You had COVID. Um, I think a lot of that can also affect a team. Now we haven't seen that with other teams in the league that have new coaching staff. But I do think there's something going on in that respect as to if Mike had been able to gel with these guys and they'd had a training camp, maybe that would have helped. But 
because it's just been described to me, there's kind of been this lack of respect for some of the coaching staff that they've brought in there. And, and I don't know if because of that lack of respect, these guys are just checked out in film session. They're like, this, this playbook, this scheme doesn't work for us. It's, it's interesting. And particularly on defense, they look like individuals on the field, much less, you know, like you talking about them off the field. Everything you said makes me like, just think of how they play on the field. And I'm just saying defense offense. I feel like it's been hit by so hard by injuries. I think that they would be fine if they were relatively healthy, but everything you said about training camp, which would obviously been helpful moving into a new defense. That's the way the defense plays to me is like individuals out there. Dude, the team defense is like so important. Everyone running to the ball and everyone being on the same page. It's not a cohesive unit at all. And Jane said it earlier. There's no hot when, boys this year. When Jalen <laughs> said what he said in week three, or after week three or after week four, when Jalen said that, that sent alarms off everywhere. And that was after, you know, they told us they simplify this playbook in week two. Yes, and this is where Jerry and Steven's job gets a little more difficult because not only are we evaluating players, we do need to evaluate. Did coaches come in in a unique year that every other team is dealing with? Did coaches yeah. come in and just start teaching and not say, hey, Don Terry, nice to know you. Uh, did they? Did, did that happen? You know, I think certain coaches probably did. And certain coaches might have just came in and been like, all right, here we go. Here's the new scheme, blah, 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 and start doing the thing. And like, to me... You got to evaluate what's going on with that. And that's where Jerry and Steven's job is very important. Now, typically, as I said a little bit earlier, we're talking about, well, how do you shut down Carson Wentz and, you know, um, Travis Fulgham's the Eagles number one wide receiver. It's, it's now bigger, bigger picture than that. And it's week eight. Like we all know what this team is at this point, but I don't know what Reggie Robinson is. Uh, I, I still don't know what Randy Gregory is, and I would like to know what Randy Gregory is, and I'd like to know what Dorrance Armstrong is, and Bradley and I, and, and we can go on. Quite frankly, though, I shouldn't be asking the question, what is Jalen Smith? And I'm asking that question, because I don't know, because he and has been point, bad. They moved him out of a position that he seemingly was good at. I mean, we were talking Jalen Smith looked all world last year, right? I mean, not all world, but we weren't talking about some of these glaring deficiencies this year where he looks lost out there. Um, Does the coaching staff look at those type of things and say, you know, maybe this wasn't the right move to put him, you know, here and switch him in and Leighton Vanderesh. Maybe this isn't natural for these two, or maybe we should hold off and do this next year. Um, so I, I don't quite know what to make of that. You know, I, I just I look at some of these some of the personnel that they've got right now, and I'm like, I just don't remember some of these problems last year with these guys. And, and that's yep. the thing about this this off season, like KT, you talk about just this Eagles game coming up. But the worst part about it is that you can't even really sell hope right now because you if you're a fan watching this team, you know it's one thing if you just had a bunch of injuries and you could be like, hey, the season's lost, 2020 sucked, like as a year as a whole. Let, let's just finish this season out. Hey, we're going to have a top five draft pick and then we can just rebuild the roster there and then we're ready to go to the next. No, from what you're seeing right now, like who, what, what gives you faith that like, oh no, 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 this will get turned around in the off season and next year will be different. You can go right back to the aspirations of, of winning the division, making the playoffs and making, this, and, and making a Super Bowl run. Like what you're seeing right now is so alarming because you don't know if it can even be fixed with just one off season. Yeah, you know, Mike McCarthy too in Green Bay had such a different thing that he has here where Steven and Jerry are doing two radio interviews a week 
And Mike McCarthy's dodging the Jerry, you know, post-game thing. And Green Bay, they don't even have an owner. Like, they don't have that happening. And but have, so has little, that been a problem yet? Like, I don't think they've done anything to undercut him like you've seen. No, no. It's yeah. No, okay. No. That's what I'm saying. I, I, McCarthy, if anything, I think he's gotten more than we've seen for a right. head coach. And I agree. I, I can't remember another head coach that got – I mean, he's got, like, an assistant to an assistant on the staff. And, you know – I would submit that he had a lot of feedback um, as it related to the the staff. Although it sounds like he just says like, just bring me players and you know, we'll, we'll plug them in. Well, they brought you players and I, I don't know how much feedback you had in it, but it wasn't like a plug and play situation. I mean, we're literally saying goodbye to these guys after week six. Um, there's, and a, I just, it, there's a part of me that goes, don't you need depth? Like, I, I feel like with the injury bug this year, like, I don't I don't it's it, it's very interesting to me because I just feel like Jason Garrett's group. And again, this isn't a defense of Jason Garrett. I just don't remember them being as reactive to things. The 2015 team didn't I mean, they fought their ass off. The 2015 team was trying really hard. I'm not saying this team's not trying. I'm just saying I'm, I've had more effort questions about this team at certain points in games than I have in the last 10 years. And I'm not doing the whole McCarthy thing. There's 99 problems on this team, and we all know what all of them are. There's a bunch of them, right? But this is not the first time that Mike McCarthy has had questions about defensive players questioning how much he, quite frankly, is involved in what they're doing. When he was fired in Green Bay, there was a report out, and it was Bleacher Report, so you can – can ask the question, uh, you know, uh, find out who the I need to go find who the reporter is uh, and see how credible they are. Right. But like there's quotes from uh, Packers defensive players being like, well, Mike McCarthy was an offensive coach and really just talked about the offense. Like we could be whipping up on them and practice the defense good. And it's like it didn't even matter because he was a, f- a focused as an offensive coach. And I just don't know because we don't see any of practice and it's just really hard to know. But this is not the first time we've, there's been defensive issues on a McCarthy-led team. And look, I don't, again, I think because it's more of, I just haven't gotten a lot of feedback about him specifically. It's been more his staff. Um, And I just find it hard to believe that if as many people that I talked to after I had gotten some initial word back on this thing and they had all heard it too, and they are all, these are multiple people connected with this program. I find it hard to believe that that information has not landed at Stephen and Jerry's desk before my report. I yeah. feel like Stephen and Jerry have a pretty good pulse on the organization. I feel like what was more alarming to them was that it was shared with me and that I put it out there. That's what I, that's what I think was like, and then if you listen to players, that seemed to be what they were marinating on the most was the anonymous sources. I didn't really hear them come out and just say like, no one has ever thought that in this locker room. Like, like clearly we've got, if someone talked to Jane, clearly we've got a disgruntled player or two disgruntled players or maybe three disgruntled players, but we've never heard that in our locker room. I just didn't hear that. Meanwhile, did did I miss something? No, no, there was, there was nobody that, that just, 
there were people that were asked specifically. And again, they're put in a spot where it's like, well, what do you want them to say? Of course, they're going to say, you know, no, coaches are not the issue. But there's nobody that's like adamantly coming out and saying that. And like I've said on here before, you have with the social media platforms, all these guys have nowadays, you could just, I mean, it doesn't even have, somebody could just have written something and posted it to their Twitter account and it literally would have taken off. It was, if it was just somebody. It would have been very easy for someone to just have come out and said, you've got Jane Slater over here making this story up. It would have taken a player or two to do that. Um, I still would have stood behind the report, but the reason why I put it out the way that I did, I was like, it's, it's this pervasive. This isn't just, an individual or a few individuals with an ax to grind. This is just how they feel. And and for me, it was less of burn it all down and fire them. It was, it was the why, you know, we're yeah. trying to figure out the why, why are we seeing such a drop off? And I, John, I'll challenge you to do this when you're at the games for the last couple of weeks. If you've stared at me in the press box, my binoculars have not been focused really on the play on the football field. It's been on the sidelines. And if you had just looked at some of the body language and the lack of engagement on the sidelines and the lack of guys talking to each other, I mean, the clues to me were all there. And so just the more you know, digging, I was, for me, it was the why. And so it's not saying I necessarily agree with it, but I'm just saying that's the why and that was the sentiment behind what we were seeing. Um, and like I said, I just, I find it very hard to believe that that never was whispered in that building or never got to Jerry or Steven, or for that matter, that Mike didn't know about that. I liked how I liked how Leighton Vandrash of all of all the guys, when he's asked about it, he went straight to if anybody says said something like that, you know, put your name with it, like and, and said that if you put that out there, you're a coward. And to me, and this is just the way I read into that, and, and when when he said that was the fact of no, he's upset that, that, that somebody would, that guys would say that on the team. And so he's putting out there, if you do stuff like that, you're a coward. And basically he doesn't respect that. Like it was almost like he was speaking to the team and it wasn't like he, he didn't say anything about the report or anything like that. It was more like, Hey, if you're going to be putting that stuff out there, you know, I think you're a coward. And that's like, cause I look at Leighton as one of the, the leaders on this defense. It just, it's been hard for him to be in that position much cause he's been hurt a lot. But when he talks, and the way he carries himself, he certainly comes off as one of the defensive leaders on this team. And I just found it interesting because he was the strongest about that to straight up and say coward because obviously, like you said, no one's really refuted this from the team. So it's like when you hear that, you're just like, oh, he's talking to the team when he, when he says something like that. I just feel like the team is really lacking more Leighton Van Der Esch's, uh more of the Dak Prescott's. I, I do agree that you do have leader. I, I, Zeke, whether people want to give Zeke credit for it or not, Zeke is a leader. And then you hear Mike McCarthy say that, you know, he's the front row of the, you know, the, uh, you know, the room that he asked a lot of questions. I think we've really, I think seen Zeke turn the page this year. Um, I think you started to see a little bit of it last year. And I think he, it's very, you know, it's very apparent to him that they're missing a guy like Dak who Dak isn't one of those guys that's screaming at you on the sidelines. He's the guy that's encouraging you on the sidelines. He's the guy that's making you believe that you can be down double digits and you can still come back. And that's why I tweeted out this week that it's unfortunate with the COVID rules that you can't have those guys on headsets. You know, like we'd seen Travis Frederick in the past, or we'd seen Leighton Van Der Esch or Sean Lee. I think that's the team just kind of needs that. And then I also think, again, as we like we throw out all the things that are going on with this team, guys, 
let's not forget just like what this year has been. I mean, COVID wise, like, I don't know about you guys, but even in just like my own job and in my own life, I consider myself a very like mentally strong person, very disciplined, even during when things were completely locked down here um, in Dallas. I mean, I had started a journalism school and, you know, like started taking Spanish and like, I literally never even turned on the TV and looked at Netflix. I was so proud of myself. I'm like, wow, everyone's so mentally weak and look at me like I'm thriving in this. And it was like the minute things kind of started opening up again in Dallas and we start getting into the season and just the challenges that come with our job as it relates to being able to actually get in that locker room and actually really communicate with some of these coaches where it might have been easier for me to weigh the report with some of the assistants and and some of the coaches and say, you know, like, has a player come to you before? Have you heard this before? Is this so outlandish? Like, help me understand this, sort of the relationships that I had with the former coaching staff. Then you might be able to get a more sense of it. But back to my initial point, it is hard to stay mentally strong this year. And I and, and I think that's even for, and I consider, like I said, myself a very mentally strong person. I'll have some weeks where I'm just coasting around. And then the next, it's like, it is hard to just like, you know, get outside and get a walk in. And so I've got to imagine that when you're getting tested every day, these guys aren't getting like that, that ability to like vent. I mean, Kevin, you know this, some of the guys will go out after the game together and it's like, you know, there is a bonding to be able to go to the club together or go to dinner together when you can't really do that because of the optics of it in Dallas. And, you know, obviously the safety concern as it relates to COVID and like making sure you're taking personal responsibility in your, in your, you know, your personal life so that you can have a season. I think all of those challenges, the mental aspect of this, I think are also really factoring into what we're seeing in the locker room. And it just feels like Murphy's law this year, anything that can happen will, and it has. And so I don't know if to necessarily judge Mike McCarthy as a head coach based on this season, but just some of the complaints that I've heard about other coaches that might be worth meriting towards the end of the year. Yeah, I, you know, I agree 100%. It's kind of a perfect storm of, of so many things uh, going wrong. And I think, um, I think to continue on that thread, uh, hey, man, sometimes you just want to like throw some like hot sauce on whatever you're eating. And then uh, maybe go do a Zoom call with the local reporters. Nothing bad could go, but could happen, right? Here's Mike Nolan at yesterday's press conference. Uh, obviously, the frustration for him as well is just you know, look when he misses them, nobody. Whoops, excuse me. I got something in my eye. Um, just had some Tabasco on my finger and it went in my eye. That wasn't good. Oh, never good. It's terrible. Jeez, I'm sorry. Thanks, Clarence. Uh, my, I, I found out it was oh, a. He, it, to answer Clarence's question, I found out it was a hard boiled egg. Sorry, go on. Wait, it was a hard boiled egg he's putting Tabasco sauce on? Yes, that's that's what I was told. That's that's blasphemy when I know full well they have Cholula at the star. I mean, you got both of those right there. Why are you going Tabasco? Come on. I don't Come know. On, I don't eat hard boiled eggs, but I guess that's what people do. I don't know. I'm an Kevin, original. Kevin, I'm an weigh or- in. I've no, I hate eggs. Uh, I mean, I love hard boiled eggs, but I, I, I mean, I guess it wouldn't be a terrible, it wouldn't be terrible. I don't do eggs. Everyone thinks I'm weird for that, but I don't, I don't do eggs. Yeah. I can't do yellow. I mean, it's only egg whites for me. Yellow eggs physically make me ill. That seems like, dude, the Dallas Cowboys are the biggest franchise in the world. We got to have something better than hard boiled eggs going around the star in that facility. You're telling me we don't have some something else. 
no, no, no. That I seems mean, weird. Yeah, we'll say Mike I mean, Nolan, the guy, he's in good shape. Yeah, he's Mike Mike guy. Nolan and, and um, John Fossil are are real, real healthy health nut type guys. So zero percent body fat guys. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, you know what? I, I honestly, I felt for Mike Nolan uh, in that moment because everyone I've talked to that knows Mike talks about what an angel he is. Like, he's really, really well-liked as a person. There have been some knocks on him in terms of his competency as it relates to a defensive coordinator position. I'll tell you that much. You know, I, when I put out my report, I heard from uh, people who had some things to say. Um, so again, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't that outlandish for players to have that feeling, I guess is how I would describe it. And again, I feel bad. I feel like Mike and I haven't even shake, you know, shook hands and, you know, I'm putting these reports out about him. And I, I wish that we had an ability to sort of, you know, talk off record and, um, sort of get his sense of what's going in the locker room. And that's been one of the challenges, obviously at the pandemic, but, I hated seeing that for him in the press conference because the story just wrote itself. Um, and I, I, I did feel bad for him. I did no, too. Both Mike Nolan and John Fossil, it hasn't been a great start to their uh, time in Dallas uh, to the fact that I just keep going back to last year's game against New England uh, when Jerry comes out of the locker room and just continues to repeat about how all the special teams issues in, in that loss to the Patriots, how it, that's on coaching. Special teams, that's coaching, that's coaching, that's coaching. And it's like there's enough that's happened this year for Jerry to have come out of the locker room and said something similar, which obviously we haven't seen. But to that, what I was going to get to is that John Fossil and Mike Nolan are just like two very, very likable guys. I mean, they're just really two down-to-earth guys that, again, I'm the same boat as you, Jane. I, when they fired them, uh, there was a time in, in late January where they made the assistance available for like a, like probably about I don't know half hour at the star, and I was up there and and it, it was cool because that that gave you that chance that you normally had and I didn't think too much of it at the time because I was like yeah we're, we'll be around we'll these guys every up. Thursday yeah and now we don't see them but on the Zoom calls and that like you really feel for Mike Nolan and John Fossil um, because you're just like I I don't think it's for a lack of effort and I don't think that um, you know. I'm not going to name any names, but there's definitely been coaches uh, on, on this staff over the last decade that I've covered the team where I'm just like, I could see how the players would relate to this guy. It seems like he's kind of rigid and whatever, and uh, he's not going to relate well. Like both of those guys to me, I don't know how you feel this way, Jane, but they, they just seem like they're very relatable guys that players would want to play play for him, I guess. Yeah, I, like I said, there's so many there's so many things that I want more answers to. Like, you know, like if, if you're in this business the way that – that, you know, I know you and I are, John, it's like, we need the who, what, when, where, why, and how. I think me more so than most. And sometimes I wish I didn't go and ask the why so much. Um, but this whole thing has honestly just been as fascinating to me as it, because I, I think it depends on, you know, who you talk to as to what's going on with this team. But again, like, it was that pervasive that it was like, very much like a, a frustration with some of these you know, coaches and the, and the way that they teach and the way they prepare. And I don't know, maybe there's a looking in the mirror for them the same way that there is for the players. I, I think you're starting to hear that from everybody involved. In other words, it sort of now sounds like it's a shared responsibility to turn this thing around. I, I think you can only point fingers at each other for so long. And then you've got to say, all right, we're in the trenches. Like, let's figure this out. And maybe they needed a common enemy 
me to sort of like get the conversation going, but who knows? I, I, I do know that they've got a really tough schedule. If you look at Steelers here after this Eagles game, and then I think that, you know, the Baltimore Ravens game, Thursday night football on the road, that's another tough one. But I do agree with you, John. I think this is going to be for a lot of these players. I think the staff is, I don't think much of this, much of the staff is going anywhere. Um, but players could. So I think that it's sort of a, you're going to have to get on the same page with us, whether you like it or not. Um, it's sort of the message that I'm getting is what it sounds like again, from the outside looking in, I don't know this, uh, but it definitely feels like there's going to be a lot of talent evaluation moving forward. And, and I think tr- by playing the young guys right now, they're sending a message. And I actually don't think this is a bad thing. I actually like, yeah. I, I actually commend as much as it's reactive. And some people might go, you know, what are you doing? That's so different than the past. Maybe the past has been you stayed the course for too long. Um, maybe it's better that you sort of shake these things up now. And I also think maybe once Mike gets a couple more guys in the building that are his guys, as we see with all regimes, uh, that's going to help him too. And the, the faster they play together as a team defensively, the, the quicker it'll look better on the individuals who might be playing for jobs here or elsewhere uh, moving forward. I think we need to hit this. This came out probably about 40 minutes ago, about when we were getting started from Chris Mortensen on ESPN. So he talked to Jerry. Um, and because this hat came out when we started, I don't know if this is like a TV thing or if he just talked to Jerry on his own, but here's what Jerry said about Don Terry Poe. When you're 30 pounds overweight and you're not doing anything about what's keeping you from performing well on the field, there is no reason to get into the other stuff. The other stuff being obviously, you know, Don Terry insisting on kneeling during the national anthem. Um, He was asked again about that, and Jerry said, I understand your question, and I'm deliberately not going to answer it. We have a platform here, but the platform on the football field has a high standard, and Poe was not up to the standard. He needed to correct that, and he did not. I'm going to leave it at that. (laughs) So um, he said, you make mistakes, you move on, we're moving on, but by no means are we giving up. Uh, and I think, Jane, you said something about the it being on the guys to, you know, in the room to turn things around. I agree, but I hope their standard is not winning football games because they're, they're not going to win many football games. In fact, they may not win another football game this year. And I'm not being harsh. I'm not being a jerk about it. I'm just saying when your entire offensive line is gone and your quarterback is gone and maybe your second quarterback is gone, it's and you have the worst defense in maybe NFL history. And then obviously, like you're just not going to win games. That's fine. But if we're seeing a little bit uh, strides and just competitive spirit in general, I marked that up as a good thing. And this team hasn't completely quit. If you have three, four, five more of these in a row, like we've had the last two weeks, I think it's fair game on the coaching staff at that point. I wouldn't be surprised that given the moves this week and the message that's gotten sent that you would see this team win against the Eagles on the road. I could see it. I can't uh, at all. I cannot. Uh, I'll, I'll uh, tell you the reason. one of the reasons why. You can say whatever you want about Don Terry Poe. There's a big difference between— The quarterback between da- problem, the offensive line is going to be an issue. Oh, I'm not even going to—I don't even—I haven't even— But you're, you're going to—I think you're going to see some more fight out of these guys. That's what uh, I think. Oh, okay. we, we will, but I'm, I'm oh. going to say this. Uh, Don Terry Poe, if it was as bad as Jerry said, how come he was still on the field? And here's the other thing. 
That's because he was probably their best run defender as a defensive tackle. And obviously it wasn't working. You're not just going to plug in the next defensive tackle in this group and then all of a sudden be better as a run defense. And I just think anybody can have a career day running against this defense right now. And I don't know how that changes. And and if you can't stop a team, like literally the first thing that you have to take away from a team is their run game. If they can run on you, it doesn't even matter if who your quarterback is. Anybody can play quarterback. If you're going to let the opponent run for 200 plus yards against you, then there's nothing you can do about it. The only way, and I mean the only way, that they would beat the Eagles or even be in the game with the Eagles has nothing to do with the Cowboys, and it would be Carson Wentz just plays awful and is just throwing terrible passes, and there's like three turnovers. They're getting short fields, and all of a sudden they win 17-10. to 10. But it's more about Carson Wentz being awful than it is about anything the Cowboys do. To your point, though, Jane, I do think that Moves like this can galvanize and they can help, but that defense is so bad that I don't think that these guys were like, they, they were still playing. Everson Griffin was still playing. Don Terry Poe was still playing and it wasn't getting done. I don't know that Everson the young was guys, playing to leave. <laughs> well, that's fine, but he was Everson still playing. Was he, was, playing he was still second on the team in sacks and third in quarterback pressures. So, I mean, he had two was, good games. He was producing at least. So, I don't but know why was he having two good games all of a sudden recently. I wonder if conditioning is a part of it. I, I do want to give the players a little bit of leeway there on conditioning. Uh, well, I'll just but, tell you this. It'll be a look real, real, real bad if he goes off and he balls in Detroit. Because that's I not was, act like he's going to some real stable organization over there. And if he goes out there and he and he plays really well for them, and the, this isn't another season later. This is in that season. That doesn't look good for the, for the Cowboys. Two-point stance, three-point stance. Remember all that? This, the, the players on this team chose not to buy in on this defense. That's what that I, is true. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, this was not like... I've uncovered some interesting things over the years and and broke some stories, but this, to me, was like about as like in front of your face as it got. So yeah. um, I, I was... a Look, you make an indictment of the fact that... Uh, what you chose to bring in here isn't working. I obviously it's going to touch a nerve, but I was, um, like I said, I just, it was that pervasive that I was a little bit shocked that, uh, this came as a surprise to a lot of people. Yeah. And change sucks. Like in life, yeah, sometimes people don't uh, react well to change. Right. And I wonder if there was a comfort level that might've been here from some of the guys who have been here for a long time. It's like, this is the way we've done it. It becomes clockwork. The NFL schedule, you know, we know what we do. We know when, um, OTAs are, and it, it just becomes a part of your life. You get in a routine and then a whole new regime happens. Like that's difficult for people to adapt to. I understand that. I just, I just have a hard time yeah. buying that so many players on that side of the ball would just all of a sudden look this bad this soon. Yeah, they looked pretty bad at the end of last year as well. And I think that's important to remember too. Um, it's not a very good team closing out the year last year. I mean, that's true. but Maybe the players aren't good just, enough. But just know? historically bad and confused. That yeah. to me is... Mm. Well, look... And we I haven't even touched on offense... I mean, I feel like none of us have even questioned Kellen Moore. And I'm not saying that maybe necessarily we should. We've never seen Kellen Moore without Dak Prescott. We've never seen Kellen Moore calling plays with this kind of offensive line. But if we're going to say injuries are an excuse or they aren't an excuse, you know, I, 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 I still think we're, we don't have a big enough sample size to even make a call on what Kellen's doing. It's interesting. Uh, 
one of the analysts at NFL Network sent me some film that he went through. And the way he was pointing out a couple of the plays, he's like, some of these players are just making it hard on themselves. And hard on themselves, in other words, Andy was just like making it hard on themselves. Now he's like, I don't know if that's because of the way the plays are being called or maybe, or he's just making it hard on himself. I think it's just so hard to just like really talent evaluate this year with the injuries, right? Like, I mean, especially with that offensive line, we've seen how bad that offensive line has done before with just losing Travis Frederick. Oh, and just losing Tyron Smith. You don't have, you didn't have one guy on there that was a holdover except for Connor Williams last week. Yeah. And, and there was that one play that, and, and there's a million of these plays. There's, and, and even when you talk about the offense, like I really feel like this team's got, it's got its 99 problems. I can't even go to the offense yet because I just feel like so many need to be addressed. A Dak ain't one. I'll tell you right. that. Yeah, well, thank you. Uh, I think Dak did a really good job of masking a lot of deficiencies on the offensive side of the ball. Just like Aaron Rodgers did in Green Bay, too. I've seen this story before. Sure, but but I will say on, on the offensive line alone, like like just pointing to one play that stood out to me is the one where, okay, so I've never seen Ezekiel Elliott just get blown up on some pass pro. And that game he yeah. did, and so you go back and you watch that play, and that's because Connor McGovern didn't pick up the right guy and he didn't pick up the guy that was blitzing that he was supposed to. He picked up the defensive back and it left this linebacker like Zeke's eyes were over on the DB because that's who he's supposed to be picking up. But there was a communication issue because obviously McGovern, that's the first start he's getting. So there's little things like that that aren't even really effort, you know, reasons. It's just that there's the inexperience. So that's why I can at least... I can at least look at the offense and and I can come up with some excuses. And honestly, I'd come up with some excuses for the defense too. If let's say they would have lost last week, 25-17, 25-20. And it was just like, hey, they just don't have the horses. This is just what's going to happen. But it's like when they look that bad and it's just like teams aren't even running trick plays. And I'm sorry, but you have to factor in who you're playing against. That matters. You can't sit there and let Kyle Allen look like a superstar. You can't let Antonio Gibson, who has never run for 55 yards in a game, run for 72 in the first quarter, and me sit here and go, man, that's just a really good Washington team over there. Like you, It matters who's on the other side of the ball. And, and when I watch that... That's the part that's so damning on the defensive side. So I guess I'm, I might be naive to think, okay, Dak Prescott's going to come back and he's going to be pretty close to what he was before. And they're going to get back Tyron Smith. They're going to get back Lyle Collins. They're going to get back Blake Jarwin. At least that's fixable over there. Now, And that might be asking for too no. much. But on defense, there just that's seems like there's a whole lot of starters that went on IR with significant injuries, right? Yeah, like, it's not great. It's not great, but it's, it's not, a whole lot of assuming they're all going to be back too. I understand this, but I'm saying that I don't want people like, let's say right now they like, they let this podcast be in charge of this off season. And so we're sitting here and we're arguing about how we're going to address this roster. I don't need you guys coming to me right now talking about the offense. I need, I need this draft to fix my defense and we'll worry about the offense some other time. Like I need a good solid defensive draft where I'm using my first round pick. I'm using my second round pick. I'm using my third round pick. I'm actually going to address safety for the first time in over a decade. I can't, I can't worry about this offense right now. I, this defense has so many problems. I need to, I need to do those first. I know. I, I, I think the hard part is you looked at this team and, you know, I had said this recently, it was just such an embarrassment of riches as it related to, you know, the depth. And I mean, to lose Gerald McCoy the way they did to start the season, yeah. they could have used, I think, a Gerald McCoy in that locker room. I agree. Leadership, uh, leadership and as a player. Yeah, and then it's just like, man, you just start as the injuries, it's like the hits won't stop coming. I think somebody said, like, whoever has the voodoo doll for the Cowboys, can you please stop? Like, it just, Hmm. it literally, it's like, 
what's that one movie where it's like, you know, he pulls the arm and then it's like he pulls the other arm and it's like it won't stop. That's how it feels for them. I, But I do believe no matter how bad it gets, things always get better. I mean, think how bleak things looked the year before they took Zeke and Dak and they had Jalen Smith. I mean, that was a monster draft for them. So I think the one thing you can bank on is that Jerry cares enough especially because he's made a lot of like gut checks in the recent, I mean, letting the Dez go, letting the Tony go, letting the Jason go, like emotionally, he's made a lot of tough choices over the years. He's not that emotionally connected to the staff. Now, possibly to Mike McCarthy, but he's not that emotionally connected to the staff. And you saw this, um, you've seen this with a couple of like new coaching staffs, you know, especially when, you know, when they hire them and who's out there, you sort of like take what you can get. We'll see if they make some adjustments next year that, that might help this team. But yeah, I think uh, it just, it just, from what we were talking about this summer to where we are now, I don't think anyone saw this bus coming. Uh, I think now we'll quickly, and then we'll get out of here quickly. Not going to spend a lot of time on the Sunday night game. Uh, but, but I will say this. This is a good litmus test for the defense and find out where they are, not only because of the roster moves that have been made, getting some guys out of there and bringing some younger guys in and see what happens, but also because the targets are going to be at Richard Rodgers, the tight end, and Travis Fulgham, the wide receiver. The Eagles are a garbage offense, and they have a terrible offensive line as well. And Miles Sanders is likely going to be out, and Zach Ertz and, and Goddard are out. The Eagles are beaten to a pulp. You need to have a pretty good performance, or at least an improved in, uh, performance, on what we've seen. And I'm uh, as a team. Uh, I, again, I, I'm, it's dangerous when we talk about guys' effort, and I don't like doing that. But like, I think you're going to see a lot more of it this week. I hope you're right, and I I tend to think so, unless we get a quick ten nothing, fourteen nothing thing. I mean, this team never had a chance, even when everyone was healthy. It was immediately Zeke fumbling or or Dak even getting hit. Dak had three fumbles, you know. I mean, they were behind, and the defense is like, hey, well, look, dudes, we can't like, – clearly we can't keep this close for you. Like, and the offense just could never get ahead. And, I mean, I, I look at where things were when you had some semblance of an offensive line. Dak was on pace for 6,000 yards. You just weren't expecting Zeke to lead the lead in fumbles and drops at this point, you know. And, and you were expecting a little bit like – I, I always I it pisses me off when people are like angry at Amari Cooper on on online and social media is stupid I know that and I'm like dude Amari Cooper's like top five in the league in receptions like he's the one guy they paid who's actually performing up to his contract right now like uh, he's not yeah your but problem. I I kind of feel the same way about Zeke too I feel like Zeke is taking a lot of heat this year but I'm like you're asking Zeke to do a lot this year like he's not just focused on running the football. He's running on yeah. catching the football in the backfield. He's focused on pass protection more so than probably he's ever been, been asked to do. Again, I, I haven't studied the tape over the years to tell you that, but it feels like he's being asked. And then to take on this leadership role, because there's clearly a void. Um, you're asking Zeke to do a lot this year. So there's a part of me that's like, eh. I went, you know, in years past, like he sort of has earned some of the outside flack, but I'm like, maybe this is the year. Like, <laughs> maybe yeah. we should give him a little bit of like ease up on him a little bit. Um, I, I think they're getting some players back. I think November is going to be a little bit kinder to them. I think the bye week can't come soon enough. 
And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they go out there and find themselves a safety or, you know, he's not going to be the safety that everyone wants. It's not going to be an Earl Thomas. Wouldn't that be a hell of a story? Wouldn't that well. be a hell of a story? But you're like, the locker room can't get any worse. So <laughs> come on Effort, down. Earl. Let's go. It would make no sense to pay him right now at this point. Like, you want to be sellers, not buyers. Like, League minimum. And, and let's do go. You, and do you want this to be the year that you win the Super Bowl anyways with the asterisk and, you know, with COVID? I don't. Yeah, there's no asterisk here. Dodgers. This is, this is real to me. I mean, they're going to get every game in, and it looks like they've got a good chance to do that. Then I, You're I mean, telling me, me this team could go beat, like, no, this or the Saints in, in the NFC Championship or the Green Bay. Wouldn't that be a hell of a showdown? And, after week four, I would have told you they could play with anyone in the NFC. After week four, I would have told but you. But also remember how blue the season looked like. Uh, what was the se- what did they finish when they when got Amari Cooper after the bye week? I don't remember. I would like, turn the season around. Remember that was like the running back by, I mean, the tight end by committee and the uh, wide receiver by committee. What was that? Those two years ago? The years 2018, yeah, right? What was, what was the, what was the, what was the final score? The final record that year? Good question. Pulling Nine and seven. It was an eight, it had to be nine, seven, or ten and six. That was the twenty eighteen Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, it's the last correct. time they went to the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you remember, they were kind of down on their luck. Remember, it was like they sold us like, ten oh, and we're six. gonna do this whole. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna literally like, we're gonna do this whole running. You know, this whole wide receiver tied in by committee. It was, it was an abject failure. They were three and four when they got Amari, uh, and then went seven and two to end. the Okay, so you got the schedule up right now. Sure do. Yeah. Okay. So well, tell me what those. Tell me how blow, how much of a blowout those losses were early in the year. Okay. Oh, uh, early in the year. Yeah. Before they well, got Amari. The, week one, you lost sixteen to eight. Okay. Uh, week two, you won twenty to thirteen over the Giants. Okay. Week three it was the game in Seattle. Remember Zeke out of bounds. Right. Uh, Twenty four thirteen. They lost at Seattle. Defense okay. looking pretty good so far. Right. Then they beat Detroit 26-24 in week four. They lost to Houston in overtime, 19 to 16. Oh, okay. Uh, that's <laughs> that's when and after that, that's when Garrett said, I'm going for it on fourth down every single time. Right. Uh then they whooped Jacksonville 40 to 7. Then they yes. lost to Washington 20 to 17. Okay. And then and then they went and they and they traded for the day after the, they lost to Washington, they traded for Mari Cooper. Uh uh-huh. can you find me on that schedule? Where they yes. lost. The Washington game was a rough one. Remember that one? That it is a rifle, rough one. And it was at Washington. But go ahead. Speaking of that, follow, find me on that schedule of the game where they played Washington uh, or any team that had the number two pick in the year before draft and just got blown out of the building 25 to 3. Where was that game at? Yeah, Where's yeah, the yeah. blowout where like it's not even like they, you're fighting? Because I'll tell you what we're going to see Sunday. You talk about how like all the, they don't have any weapons for the Eagles. Watch yeah, Boston Scott go for 100 yards. Oh, no the, doubt. The dude's yeah. never even had more than 55 yards in a game. Watch Boston Scott. 100. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hey, Boston Scott, if you're listening to this, I apologize. Watch Boston Scott go for 135 against this defense. Didn't Boston Scott have the good game against them last year, week 17? Yep. Oh, no. <laughs> Not again. Yeah, because they didn't have any wide receivers last Remember, year. Again. Remember that game? Nobody. It was on the road. The Cowboys were supposed to pull that off and win the division, and that was when they didn't have uh, Amari Cooper on the field. Final play, and Michael Dak Gallup was playing with a injured with, shoulder. And yeah, Bobby and I had John Kitten on our podcast recently, who basically said Dak should not have been playing at points last year because that's how injured he was. All right, let's talk about this real quick. Mm-hmm. I looked it up. 
Dak is Dak's last two injuries, which have been both been pretty solid, significant injuries with that shoulder. Who knows how long that it would have kept him out if let's say that happened earlier in the season. So he had that. And then that leg one, that's, that's two on his last 29 runs. Like how much are you going to run him going forward? And, and, and the reason I bring this up is Jerry Jones sounded real skeptical about, you know, when he was talking about quarterbacks on, on Tuesday on the radio about, you know, you can't have these guys running all the time, things like that. Like, Well, what was Andy Dalton doing running in that game after Dak uh, got hurt? I mean, when I saw that, I was like, what are we doing here? Like, I'm not saying that you're going to completely stop Dak from running. He's, I mean, it's going to be part of his game, but I'm just saying two of your last 29 rushes have, have you've suffered significant injuries. Now, with the shoulder, obviously, he was able to play through, but, I mean— that's the thing. But, like, if you take that away, that's that's not good. Uh, the storylines in Dallas are so crazy, though. I mean, it wasn't too long ago we were saying, why aren't they having Dak use his legs more? I know. I know. I know. Right? And you have to like, seriously think about that now. Like, I, I understand it in the red zone, and that I makes a lot of sense there. I think given the nature there, but... of his injury, you're not having him run like that. Right. Again. And you have got – and, okay, now you bring up an interesting point, John. Given the nature of his injury, and he – we don't know what he's going to look like in terms of his quickness and being able to plan on that foot. You want to invest in your defense. If you invest in Dak, you've got to invest in that offensive line. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. And I mean, that's the thing. Like it, it's not even just about his Damn running salary cap, right? But not even just about his, his running. It's the fact of after you pay a guy 38, $40 million a year, you don't really want him running that much anyway. Cause you need him to be, there for 16 games you need him to win from the pocket and so no you you definitely I'm not saying that there aren't any issues on offense there are it just I just feel like this defense is so far behind what's even I would call middle of the pack in the NFL right now and and, yeah look I'm not suggesting they're going to go on the run that they did after they acquired Amari Cooper that year I'm just no, saying. they won't now, but you did bring up a good point earlier when you said, like, whenever we think that things are, are really dire, you know, these things can be turned around pretty quickly, you know, with with a spark of, of uh, you know, if you have a good draft and everything starts going in the right way. If anything, if this season keeps going the I way that— I think it, you're going to see more effort and maybe the body language will be, be better, but I think whether that's because they really are all of a sudden buying in or not, I think it's just like they fired a missive from inside the building, which is— yeah. You either shape up or ship out. Literally in Don Terry Poe's uh, instance. Within uh, reason, though, Jane. I mean, there's contracts involved here. There's certain guys. If this, if they could just cut, if, if they could just follow that, that what you just said, I, I think there would be guys that have gotten contracts within the last few years that would be part of those cuts. But there's only so much you can do with certain guys because of how much money they're making. That's true. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Jane, you've uh, since you came into this bear trap of a podcast here, we do have to force you I can't you to... focus with your Zoom background. It's just like it's so like psychedelic. It's so... Oh, wait. We're just getting started though, Jane, like on that. Jane, one. what do you Jane. got going on with your background there? What what are those who are who are the players that you have back there? The, the little guys. Um, yeah, these are these they like they like to move around too. Like sometimes oh. I'm like, "Oh, they're over here." I got little little Dak. Wait, they move got... he moves around on his own and you just don't know how it happens? Yeah, taunted in here. Okay, I'm okay. Uh, I've got Zeke. I've got Amari. Des peeping up. <laughs> <laughs> I got Landry and I got Aikman. And then I even have my uh, my Saints guys. I got Drew Brees and I got Michael Thomas and, of course, the one. And then you got a Mark I'm so excited hat. for the Mandalorian on the 30th. I mean, I am an absolute, absolute. Uh, you just killed me right now with your picture kevin um i am such a comic con like sci-fi star wars junkie like that's like i can't get anyone to do to like be into those things with me but i am obsessed with those things most people that are really i don't know i shouldn't say most but they really don't go with sports but then again i think kenson both of those when you're a big sports fan you're a big sci-fi big, fan. yeah big movie guy yeah Dude, you've got to watch what Rage by Wubs on, H, on HBO Max. It is so out there, and it is so messes with your head. Like, I'm still not okay after watching it. Uh, after watching what? Raised by Wolves. Raised um, by Wolves. I'm a big Vikings fan. I've seen that, yeah. And uh, Ragnar Lothrook 
plays the titular role of uh, one of the guys who comes from planet Earth. And they're basically trying to take over this planet. And it is wild. They like they sh- they show up there with these embryos and they are raised by um, they're raised by I'm in, I'm in on embryos and the robot literally ends up having a baby. I mean, this thing huh? just gets out there. Wow. So I'm done. Like I, I literally like watch this like for like 10 hours straight. I'm like, I am shooketh, but I just, I live for like the weirder, the better. Like I'm all in. Natalie Portman just had this one sci-fi that I watched a couple. Now that you guys have run out of all Netflix. Annihilation. Like, yes. Yeah. So That's good. good. That's a good one. Yeah. It's I'm a big, there. I, I, uh, I, I watched Westworld. And the last season kind of fell off of Westworld, but yeah, yeah. HBO's got some good stuff. So I'm also into parallel universes and like the fourth dimension and all that. Oh, that was my absolute favorite movie. But if you want to watch a really good one, Dark on Netflix, Mm. I literally had out a flow chart to keep up with it. And so, I mean, I can literally talk. I could do like a whole podcast on this. Maybe if I'm no longer at the NFL Network, (laughs) um, I'll go to sci-fi and like start my whole like (laughs) sci-fi pivot. That's that's amazing. I like it. Uh, Jane, we have to have a prediction. Are you allowed to do that? Sure. We do it. I mean, we do it. It's tradition. We do it each week and we have the guest keeping up because we have a big bet at the end, uh, where the loser has to have a, a ghost pepper or something. I don't know what it is. Oh, I love uh, ghost peppers. We have some, we have, peppers are amazing. We have a bunch of, un, uh, I think we have a bunch of bets on this show that we, but we, we like track some of them. And then I'm in your ghost pepper thing though. I'm all into like hot, spicy, shishito peppers So put me in for that. All right, so you're picking the Eagles. <laughs> As if you are into that, you'll I pick the Cowboys. I told you anything that can can happen oh. will. Uh, oh. Oh. It's just so hard to predict with this team this year. Um, I'm really not trying to eat this uh, hot wing, so I really hope you do go in this direction. Please say it. I'd love to see old young Ben DiNucci go out there and get him a win this week on the road. Philadelphia Eagles, a la Dak Prescott, playing like Dak Prescott in Green Bay. Like, you know, everyone loves like, this amazing storyline. So if I'm just going to get wild and crazy for you, wild and crazy theory, Ben DiNucci comes in and in his first start on the road against the division <laughs> rival gets a win. Let's Even go. No wheels on the bus, <laughs> driving on studs. <laughs> So you're saying Cowboys <laughs> over Eagles. No. There it is. No, the Eagles are going to win this. But okay. Just by virtue of the fact they've got stability in their coaching staff. We going to have a But Carson Wentz has done some wild stuff. So. Yeah. Let's go to John. John, you're five and two on the year. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm about to ask here. I yeah. saw that line. I saw that line go, go went up to eight. You know, Ooh, the Cowboys, I, the Cowboys haven't the covered. What's up? I had the line uh, at 20. Okay, well, I'm saying Vegas has it eight. Um, oh my god! You know the Cowboys are 0 seven against the line this year. Wild. That's like I don't think that's ever happened. But anyway, uh, yeah, no Eagles. Eagles win by twenty. <laughs> All right. And I'm, it doesn't help when the Steelers come here after. I mean, oh my god! It's just it's it's honestly it's been hard to watch this year. They're not going to win another yeah. game. Jade, the Bengals like, I know, are on their schedule. The Bengals are competitive. You know. I mean, like I said, I think it's gonna it's gonna help when they start getting some healthy bodies back. But you going to Philly? What game you got this week? Or you got a game this week? It's a long story. I'm supposed to do Thursday night football this week. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's we right. have James right. Palmer. Uh, he's a Philly native, so he was always doing you. this game. I got you. 
Kent, let's go. Or I'm sorry, was that on you? Did I cut yeah, you off, Kent, KT? Yeah, Kent's in first place. Kent goes last. I'm picking the Eagles by 19. Not by 20, by 19. Uh, Kent, Kent's up Kent's next and is Philadelphia. Now, now, hold on. Hold on. You're going to say that? <laughs> you're going to say that with that shirt you're wearing right now? Oh, uh, yeah. We don't <clears throat> We do not do uh, video. I was feeling very 2015 Cowboys lately, so I brought, I brought out my We Do team shirt. You know, oh God. this Jason was Garrett would love this, this was the all time low of the Jason Garrett shirts because they were terrible that year. So it was like, who sucks? And everyone was walking around with shirts that said, we do. We do on what's them. the team? What's the team motto this year? What do you guys think the mantra fight. is if you had to put a shirt together? No, it's definitely no. Build the fight. Hey, maybe we maybe we made too much fun of that fight shirt. Maybe that's what this team needed. Yeah, maybe they that's need to luck, see Charm. it. To do it, maybe so. Hey guys, um, that's, I don't think let's uh, cash out our chips. I don't think McCarthy is a uh, signs and shirt guy. I don't. I don't, no. I don't think so. He's but an analytics guy. Yeah, we're not in the locker room as ah! much as before. Yeah, and that's ah! that's paying off too. Um, yeah, no, Philadelphia for sure. Um, I don't see Dallas scoring any almost points in this game. I don't have <laughs> any any offense. It just feels bad laughing at the, you know because like honestly any like, almost points any almost points yeah, it, almost it, any points. It feels it it just feels dirty laughing at these guys this year because look we've developed relationships with these guys over the years like you you, you find yourself pulling for them and it's I, I just I hate it from an entry perspective and from like a. You know, I, I hate even seeing some of the national pundits like Stephen A. Smith and even Rich Eisen just like literally like gloating in the way that these guys are losing. <laughs> yeah. No, see, I, I normally I'd be with you if it was like competitive, but the way they've played these last two weeks, everything they've gotten, they deserve. I would agree. And I like a lot of those guys, but yeah. Yeah, I I, I'm taking Philadelphia 20, Dallas 6 in this game. I do think they put up some points, but uh, it'll be all Greg. Zerline, speaking of people you pull for, shout out to Dez with the Ravens. Yeah. Um, back on the football you know, field. I had so many people tell me, stop uh, stop repping Dez. It's embarrassing. He's never <laughs> play another game in this, in this league. And here's what I'll say about Dez. This team could use a couple of Dez, like, mentality. You know, Dez... He, you know, he told me, you know, a couple years back when all this went down, he was like, when you're from the dirt and you ain't come from nothing, like, I can't even like articulate where he was going after that. But it was basically like, to paraphrase, it was, you know, when you don't expect anything out of life and you've come from nothing and you see how far you've gotten, like you have a hard time not believing that you can will something else into existence. So I'm paraphrasing there, but he never quit believing in himself. Now, I will say David Robinson, um, his wide receivers coach, I think he was sort of the brother that he needed, um, the mentor that he needed, and someone that believed in him when so many people didn't. And he's also uh, works with Emmanuel Sanders. He worked with Antonio Brown at one point. Mm -hmm. And this is uh, a receivers guru. That This isn't the admiral that played for the Spurs. This is a guy that he's pretty big on Twitter. Um, where's he based out of, Jane? Here in Dallas. Okay. Yeah. D-Rob, he's he's just such a good guy. But he was, you know, guys like him and Bobby Stroop, all those guys, uh, when he was going to APAC and working out, and even Patrick Mahomes, those guys were just really encouraging Des, like, follow through, do the work. Like, that was probably his biggest struggle with that. And some of it, you know, was the consistency. But some of it, I think, was just, he was honest with us on our podcast about it, was just true depression. Um, 
you know, he had a really hard time, you know, leaving the Cowboys. Somebody brought up one of my old takes. I was, I'll own when I have a bad take. You know, I said that Tony Romo was going to take a while to acclimate to the booth. I'll eat that. Um, I said that, uh, that Des Bryant, mark my word, wasn't going to play for another team. Uh, he values loyalty and respect. And that's true. I, he had the hardest time playing for another team, but he had like almost an immediate brotherhood with the guys in the locker room. And Sean Payton and him had a really productive conversation. And if you know John Harbaugh at all, he's one of my favorite coaches in the league. Yeah. He's like this tough coach who leads with love. And a lot his players respect the hell out of him. And Mark Ingram and Des became really close from their time in New Orleans. He, you know, obviously thinks the world of um, Lamar Jackson. And if you had just seen the way Des would work out with some of these younger guys, I always like never got this sense that Des was a locker room cancer or wasn't going to be good for the young guys. All you have to do is hear him tell you the story about the way Roy Williams treated him, which, by the way, him yeah. and Roy made up over the years. But like when we saw Ryan Switzer come in that locker room and, you know, some of the young guys like. Des was always taking those guys under Dak Prescott. He was one of his, like, he stood on the, the table for him and pounded his fist for Dak. Um, so I think he's going to even be good for some of their young wide receivers. You know, I know he's like practice squad bound, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see similar nu nuances to what uh, Sean wanted to do for him, which was you're sort of the third, fourth option in a red zone threat. You're not going to be the guy. So you don't have to worry about being the guy. And I think Des is okay with that. I think Des wants to sort of, ease in and just does, I think really uniquely missed a locker room and, and the team sport. So you think yeah. we're going to see him on the field against the Cowboys on Wouldn't December 3rd? Be... Yes. They don't oh, have any 100%. 100%. Oh. He's wearing the, uh, wearing the number 11, by the way, which is kind of cool. Um, I there was a, a clip put out there on, on Twitter by some news station up there in, in Baltimore and Des was in practice and he'd made this like one handed catch is, <laughs> you know, signature des and then the receivers coach is like chewing him out he's like dude just make a normal catch like start at the start from the bottom like we got to work on the fundamentals you haven't played in a while you know so, so like, i think it's so good though like i yeah. think he's gonna organization they do not like leaks i knew that des had a workout um with them i had talked to the organization about this months before and i couldn't get anyone to confirm the damn thing like it was the most frustrating thing ever because I am very careful with my sourcing and I knew this damn thing was happening and I couldn't get anyone to confirm it. It was the most maddening thing, maddening thing ever. And by the way, Des wouldn't confirm it. Des, you know, Des really wow. respected the fact that, that organization wants him like to keep his mouth shut. Like these leaks about Des and what he's been doing, even like I was caught off guard when the, the thing happened with Des last week. Because Des is trying to follow the rules, but that that one came from someone's calling from inside the building. That wasn't a Des yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. The, the Ravens have always been fans of Des. They wanted to draft him that year when the Cowboys traded up for him. Um, there's a f famous video of them in the draft room, and when the, his name was called, it's just like dead silence in the in the draft room. I think that was who they wanted to, you know, the chance I to bring John, him back I think is John's awesome. Going to be yeah. a very, I think it's, I think John's going to be a good coach for him. I think Same. the big thing for Des is. Des. Boom. Yeah. Stay consistent. Don't let your emotions lead you. Stay the course. If he can do that, I I would love to see. Jerry loves a good comeback story, and so do I. And I hope Jerry, I hope, I hope Des gets the comeback story he's looking for. He certainly has been putting in the work. Everyone loves a good comeback story, and that's why we'll be locked in Sunday night for Cowboys and Eagles Sunday night football. <laughs>
and it will be a night that goes down in history as the night of the nooch. Um, thank you so much, Jane. You can see Jane on NFL Network, I would say pretty much all the time. Every time I flip it on NFL Network, it's like, oh, there's Jane. And then also uh, the Boy and Girl podcast. Wait, what? Well, hold on. Cowboys the and Girl. And the girl. Boys and Girl podcast with Bobby Belt. Get it Sorry, right, Kevin. I didn't have it in front of me. <laughs> Um, I even get it wrong sometimes, so don't feel bad. And I came up with the name. <laughs> There's a lot of podcasts out there. Uh, also, of course, thanks to Father John Mashoda and, of course, our producer, Kent Garrison, who predicted 20 to 6. He just got that on the record for season first place. Uh, I'm Kevin KT Turner. Again, thanks to Jane and thanks to everyone. We're going to talk to you on uh, you know Monday morning after we uh, dissect whatever happens on Sunday night. Uh, and thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on another episode of About Them Cowboys.